Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Today's the feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Many of us know her as Edith Stein. She was raised in a Jewish family, abandoned her faith in her teens, but eventually gets drawn to the Catholic faith. And we're going to find, we're going to trace that, uh, trace that conversion. Uh, she, of course, is known for suffering at the hands of the Nazis, sent to Auschwitz, murdered in the gas chambers, along with her sister. With me right now to talk about uh, Edith Stein is Anne Costa. She's the author of eight books for Catholic readers, including Embracing Edith Stein, Wisdom for Women from St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Anne uh, speaks regularly on topics related to women, healing and hope through hardship. She's the founder of Revive, Hope and Healing Ministries Incorporated, which is composed of a family of Catholic lay ministries impelled by the Holy Spirit to revive the laity, support clergy, diocesan, and parish staff in the spirit of the early church. And good to have you here. Thanks. Hey, thank you for having me. Let's tell us, first of all, about the home uh, that Edith Stein was born into in her early uh, spiritual training. Well, she was born on the Feast of Yom Kippur, which is a high holy day in the in the in the Jewish faith. Um, she was the young, I think she was the youngest in her family of a large family. They were a very contemporary Jewish family. They weren't particularly devout, although her mother was uh, devoted to everything about being um, Jewish and the culture. And they raised their family very much in during during those times as many families existed that way, that mm-hmm. their faith was a big part of their lives. For Edith, she had a lot of questions from the very beginning. She was a very, very um, smart, brilliant child, even. So uh, her her life began with a lot of questions. Uh, she was filled, and she had a lot of uh, vibrancy about her. So when she came into her teens, though, that's when things she started to really question. Mm-hmm. Her quest for truth went beyond her faith, which probably it really didn't set well with her with her mother. <laughs> I see. Okay. Did uh, when she goes off to university, is she going there in kind of like a, a search for truth, uh, you know, for ultimate reality? What 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 motivates I, her? Yes, I think there was an insatiable. It was pretty pretty driven uh, drive for truth and mm-hmm. meaning and authenticity. And so she was drawn to first the psychological sciences, which really didn't didn't fulfill that longing within her. Um, she know what she said uh, after her conversion. She said, "My longing for truth was a single prayer." Well, she didn't know it then that it was a prayer. Yeah, but it became a, a it became a way to really satisfy all uh, the questions that she had and and her brilliant mind. So then she became involved in phenomenology, the the, the philosopher study of philosophy mm-hmm. and she rose she rose uh she rose up to the height of a, of a glass ceiling and then as many women in the day um she didn't could only go so far because of her you know because she was a woman yeah yeah um when does the thaw uh begin uh, towards god As a young, yeah, as a young academic, um, as a young professor, and in the circles of women, uh, uh, she was the inf- her, her her sphere of influence be- became 
involved with a, a philosopher by the name of Max Schler, who was a who was Catholic, and so she began to really contemplate just again at first from an intellectual standpoint, mm-hmm. but then it became very very personal for her as she began to travel. And the one pivotal moment that she um, that she speaks about for her life was when she went into a, she was on a historical. Uh, pilgrimage, you know, another intellectual kind of exercise, and she went into a, a large cathedral. And a, and a very a plain woman, during the middle of the day, came in and sat down, put her basket down beside her, as Edith explains, and, and began talking, speaking, praying, but <laughs> talking in a very familiar way to some unseen God. <laughs> and she was very deeply touched by that. Yeah, it never. It, she never let go of that image of, of someone who could have that kind of an intimate friendship with, with God, who she had kind of grown out of. She thought at that time. So, yeah. she was very observant in that way, and those things didn't get lost on her. Of course, we know that was the hand of grace. Right. Her. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 When does she first encounter Teresa Babylon? When she was visiting some friends again, um, and she, the book was laying out, she was on she was on holiday uh, visiting some friends, and um, it might have been around. I can't remember if it was her friend that was dying, or that was another person who influenced her, uh, a Christian friend of hers who whose husband died, and she expected that woman to be absolutely distraught and just tearing her, tearing her, you know, rendering clothes and just being very very upset, and she found her to be very very calm because of her relationship with Christ. And that, huh. and that was another observation that she had. And then shortly thereafter, or maybe not shortly, but then after she went, went and visited another couple, and they had the book there, and uh, she read it that night. She, in one night, she read uh, Teresa, Teresa <laughs> about, her, about her life, and she knew, and she said, this is truth. She mm-hmm. read that book, and she, discuss, she finally found who, it's not what, but who, she was looking for when she was looking for truth. <laughs> does she begin to think of religious life uh, immediately after that, or does she continue to try to work in an academic environment? I think she tried to work in an academic environment, um, but she went and taught in uh, once she, well, well, she, she, right away, she, she wanted to become Catholic. Yeah, okay. okay. Right after that book, um, she wanted to become Catholic. It became. It, she waited nine years to be to enter the Carmel, though, oh, and, and that okay. was out of respect for her mother. Oh. Okay. So I think within a year she did become Catholic, and then she taught in schools, young women, and that's where a lot of her writings come from, in terms of her formation for women yes. and the essays on women that um, seem you know have have great. I think real relevance for our time yes. in terms of, of of what women need in in their to become who a, a person as she explained, you know, a whole person as uh, and we can't do that outside of the truth that God reveals yes. to us about who we are. So she postponed going into religious life out of respect for her mother. Did her mother ever make peace with her becoming a Catholic? Um, I think she saw her mother one time um, after she became uh, a, a nun, and I do not believe that she ever did come. Yeah. To pe- I think okay. she. I, I don't want to speak for the, I, the. I think there's a one family member alive who could speak better to that. Yeah. Um, but it's not that they ever really 
had the relationship restored the way it was before. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Her writings on women, uh, was she breaking new ground at the time in terms of a Catholic understanding? I think so. She was, you know, she was expanding on, on some of the the philo- what what became, you know, personalism philosophy that about the human person and empathy, and she was she was she was into all that, and then she, you know she ex- in, encountered and started writing about Saint John of the Cross, and um, so it, it just evolved over time in mm-hmm. terms of her own her own experience of, of that. <laughs> How how long was she uh, in the convent? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, well, I'm she, not sure. Yeah. She, well, she when she goes there, do we know the kind of discipline that the the community had? I mean, uh, I, I'm assuming that you know it was a fairly rigorous um, yeah. spiritual environment. And uh, she it, was... It was, and she and she thrived on that. Yeah, I mean that she really thrived on that. I think that the the, the testament of her life is that you know she lived in this very um, erudite, deeply intellectual uh, outer world, and her whole life movement is really the movement of our our growth and uh, spiritual development and growth and maturity to the inner life. And so when she went into, she felt like she was home when she went into the Carmel, when she went into Cloister. It was the natural progression of of who she was becoming, the truth of herself in Jesus and mm-hmm. Christ and her relationship. And so um, the her, her superiors, though, really never stopped her writing, though. Her, they still asked her to continue to oh. expound on um, you know, like I said, the last book that she wrote was a, you know, science uh, was about St. John of the Cross and the science of the cross. And so she was continuing the intellectual pursuit, but under the, within the karma, you know, what, um, within the, the, the freedom of the karma. Sure. Sure. Yeah. When, um, how, when does she become aware that she her life is in jeopardy. Uh, I, yeah, there are many quotes of this. She was she was aware earlier than a lot of her contemporaries. She could see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, she spent many hours in adoration uh, d- uh, during those years before and after. Obviously, she entered the Carmel, but so she she a woman of her times. She never. Um, shied away from being involved in, in, under, in, in, in what was going on. I mean, mm-hmm. she never closed herself off from that and what was happening for her people, who she said were the Jewish people. She never uh, said that she was not a part of the Jewish people. Right. And so she knew earlier on, and then, of course, she had to flee the Carmel and Cologne to go to act uh, because of, the, of the, the, the actual physical danger to her. But she knew and was writing very early in the at the time of the war and before about about what could could happen for herself and for her people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the bishop's letter uh, that was read in the churches uh, that provoked the Nazis to escalate uh, mm-hmm. their arrests. 
was that I guess I'm wondering was it did people anticipate that the reading of that letter would provoke the Nazis uh, uh, it just seems here the bishops are trying to take their stand and at the yeah. same time it it kind of boomerangs and all of a sudden there's an escalation of death yeah right that was that was that was something that uh you know edith prepared for yeah yeah i mean she did write to the pope and try to get more you know more intervention okay um, but didn't get a response yeah yeah what was her relationship to her sister? Because I, I understand that her sister was with her uh, when they were taken, uh, I guess, out yeah. of the convent. The, the Rosa really did follow her to the convent and the Catholic, and conversion to Catholicism. Okay. But she never became a sister, though. I think she was a, a third order. Um, and uh, I, I don't believe she she did. I, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they... they that 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 was her only connection. Her relationship with Rosa was really the most of a connection that she maintained with her family. Yeah. What? Yeah. She had a lot that she sacrificed in her life. You know, everything at the end, everything all right, right down to her her whole being, her clothes was stripped away from her. Yeah. And and she that was a willing act of surrender that she did out of love. Um. She, I mean, when when um, uh, she was when she was recognized as a saint, there were people claiming, well, she was a martyr, but wasn't a Christian martyr because she wasn't killed because, as for being a Catholic, she was killed for being a Jew. What? what how do you respond to that? She was killed for being both, <laughs> and, okay. and I, you know, and, and she was both. Yes, I mean, she embodied. See that is she embodied both, and um, there I believe you know there's been there's much to to still be explored around her life, the meaning of her life and yes. death. Yep. And there's been a lot of of discussions, and I think that it it will open it will continue to open doors of dialogue that will bring union instead of disunion. And I think Edith really would would love that, would want that. So. Let's just keep discussing the, the meaning and power behind what her life stood for. Yes. Yeah, I know that she deeply influenced and informed the work of John Paul II, and we're still unpacking theology of the body, too. So uh, I'm looking forward to the future. Thanks so much, Anne. Yeah. Yeah, thank you.